excuse me for the confusion, I realized that this Psalter was not on the board. But we sing it anyway. The sermon will be about the end of the world, words from chapter 24 from Matthew, verse 3. What will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world, and especially the end of the world. And I'm asking three questions. When, what, and who? Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may wonder where this world is heading at. What kind of future is in store for us? Throughout the ages, people have wanted to to look into the future to know what lies ahead of us. But especially in this time in which we are living now, many people are concerned about the future of this world. And they wonder in what kind of world our children and grandchildren will grow up. Where is this world heading at? Many people are concerned about things which are developing in this world. You hear a lot about concerns about climate change, like global warming, melting ice caps, periods of extreme drought or extreme rainfall. What consequences does it all have for mankind in this world? And the world has changed a lot. The world, today's world, looks more like a small village. Everything is very close by. Things which happen far away come close through the media and internet. A war on the other side of the world has consequences for people around the world, like the war in Ukraine causes food problems in Africa and prices rising all over the world. There was a a small virus in China, and in no time it spread itself all over the world. The world has become a village. And apart from the physical world, there is the digital world. The Internet connects us with the whole world. And your phone in your pocket connects you with the whole world wherever you go. So the world has become a village, as if we live in a small village worldwide. Now, the other side to this is that we are losing our privacy. Great internet companies are following you all the time, and often we don't realize it. And some people fear that at some point they not only follow you, but that they take over your life and decide what is best for you. So many people are concerned about these developments in the world and what is going to happen next. 
What is the future of this world? Now, on the other side, there are people who say, well, all these fears are exaggerated, and it won't be that bad. And as a result, there are fierce discussions about these things, and people disagree very much on what the future of this world will bring. Now, I'm not here to, to go into all these discussions, today's discussions, but we're here to listen to the Bible and what the Bible tells us about the end of the world, the future of the world. In the Bible, the Bible is the Word of God. And this world in which we are living now is God's world. So it's reasonable to say that the Bible tells us a lot about God's world and about the future of this world. And the Bible uses the expression, the end of the world, as it is also in this verse 3 of Matthew 24. What is the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? In other translations of the Bible, you will read the end of the age or the end of times. It's all the same. So that's the question of the disciples here. What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? When you read through the chapters 24 and 25 in Matthew, you will notice that Jesus is telling us a lot about the end of the world. Those, both those chapters are about this topic, the end of the world. It becomes clear that this world in which we are living comes to an end at some point. It terminates. Then it's over with this world. That, that's what this expression, the end of the world, is about. When you come to an end of something, it's over, finished. But in this case, when in the Bible we read the end of the world, we have to say something more about this. The, the Greek word... And I don't want to bother you with all kinds of Greek words, but this is important. The Greek word which is used here, it's the word telos, has more in it than just saying it's over, it's the end. The Greek word telos means reaching the goal. That's what it means. You want to reach a certain goal when you are in school your goal is to pass the final exam and to graduate, at least. I hope that's your goal and that you don't quit before that, but that you really aim at graduating in school. That's the end you want to reach. That's your goal. Now, when the Bible speaks about the end of the world, it has this meaning, reaching its goal. And because this world is God's world... The goal, which is meant here, is the goal which God has set for this world. Now, this is very important to keep in mind whenever we think about the end of the world. Because people thinking about the end of the world very often have the idea 
that the end of the world means that this world will end in, in chaos and disaster. But let's never forget that it's God's world and he is in charge of this world. And this world is on its way to the goal which God himself has set for this world. The end of the world is not chaos or disaster, but it's, it is in God's hand. Now we're looking at this topic of the end of the world, and I'm asking these three questions. When, what, who? When will this happen? And what will happen? And who are involved in this end of the world? Now the first question is when. When will this happen? That's what the disciples are asking Jesus. When shall these things be? When will this happen? When will the end of the world take place? Now there's a very very simple answer to this question. And the answer is we just don't know. We just don't know. That's not my opinion, but that's what Jesus himself is telling us. When you read further in in Matthew 24, we come to verse 36. Jesus says, But of that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Nobody knows when the end of the world will be. For us, it's impossible to mark a certain date on our calendar and say, well, that will be the end of the world. That's impossible for us. We simply don't know. Now, there have always been people who, who thought they knew and tried to figure out the, the date when the end of the world would be. They selected text from the Bible, combined it with certain events which took place in this world and interpretations of these events. And then they came to a, a certain time, certain year or even a certain day when the end would t- take place. But so far, it never happened. It never came out. And Jesus tells us here in Matthew 24, verse 36, it's no use trying to figure out when this end of the world will be. It's no use. We just don't know. And yet, there is something more to say about when the end of the world will be. In Matthew 24, Jesus tells us about the signs of the times, as they are called. He tells us about wars, earthquakes, serious diseases, famines, and all these things are happening in the world of today. But they have been happening from the time Jesus announced these things up to now. Throughout the times there have been wars, there have been earthquakes, diseases, famines, So, these signs of the time do not give us a fixed 
time and date for the end of the world. And according to Jesus, these things are only the beginning of sorrows. So the end is not yet there, he says. The the signs of the times do not tell us exactly when the end will be, but the signs of the times and all these things which we see, see happening round about us in this world, these signs of the time assure us that the end will come. This world, which is full of pain and sorrow and misery, will come to an end. There will come an end to this world in which we are living now. This world is on its way to the goal which God has set for it. Now there's one sign which Jesus tells us about, which brings us more close to the end of the world. Gives us more of an indication. It's found in verse 14. It says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. But even then, it's hard to say when this prophecy exactly will be fulfilled. When is the time when this gospel has been proclaimed to all the world? And what is meant by all the world? All people in this world, um, in what way is it going to be proclaimed? So even this sign doesn't give us an exact time of when the end will be. But what we do know is that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. That's what Peter writes in 2 Peter 3, verse 10. A thief comes not announcing his coming. You don't know when the thief will come. Jesus is talking about this in verse 43 of Matthew 24. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. But you don't know when the thief will come. And we don't know when the day of the Lord will come. There's still something else which I learned from what Jesus is telling us about the end of the world. The end of the world will take place at a moment when normal life in this world is still going on. Jesus is speaking about the days of Noah. Verse 37, Matthew 24. But as the days of Noah were so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. So before the flood, people were just living their lives, eating, drinking, getting married, just doing the normal things of life, and then there was the flood. And Jesus says, So it will be in the day of the Lord. Just normal life is going on. People will be eating, drinking, getting married, doing their own things. 
And this is also clear from the verses 40 and 41. It tells about people who are working in the field or people who are working in a mill and one will be taken into glory and the other will be left alone. These are also signs that all of a sudden the the end will be there while normal life will go on, which means that the end of the world is not chaos or disaster. Keep in mind that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And the message of Jesus in chapter 24 of Matthew is, we read it in verse 42, he says, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour the Lord doth come. Be watchful, which means be prepared now, tomorrow, whenever, all the time. Be prepared for the day of the Lord. Now, so much about when. And then the question, what? What will happen when this world comes to an end? Now, some people think that they know exactly what will happen. And books have been written about it and movies have been made about it with an exact exact description of events which will take place when this world comes to an end. Now, the Bible also tells us about the last things. But usually, the Bible tells us these things in images, symbolic language, parables. In in, in Matthew 25, the next chapter, it begins with the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. It's the parable about the bridegroom who comes to pick up his bride and to start the wedding feast as a symbolic story about what will happen when the end of the world is there. And We also find a lot, of course, in the book of Revelation, which is full of symbolic language. And that's all part of the character of that type of literature. Now, there are some things which are very clear when it is about the end of the world, things which will happen at the end of the world. And the first thing, and maybe I should say the most important thing which will happen in the end of the world is the coming of Jesus Christ. And we usually call it his second coming after his first coming, first coming when he was born in Bethlehem. Now, this is also what the, the disciples are asking Jesus. What is the sign of thy coming? So they were also thinking about the coming of Jesus. He is going away from them, but he is coming back. He is again the second time coming. Now, we, we, we find a lot about this second coming of Jesus in the Bible. In the Gospel according to John, there are a number of farewell speeches of Jesus to his disciples before he is taken captive to be brought to the cross. And one of these farewell speeches is found in John 14, 
maybe well-known words of Jesus. He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may also be. I will come again, Jesus says. He's going to leave them, but right away he tells them, I will come again. Now, this was also the message of the angels when Jesus was taken up into heaven. The disciples were standing there and looking up, but Jesus was disappearing. And then there were these angels, and they said, Why are you looking up? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So, so that's the, the main event in the end of the world. Jesus will come again. And how will this be? Well, Jesus is telling about this in verse 30 of Matthew 24. He says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now imagine a Jesus coming with the clouds of heaven in power and great glory. And they shall see, and all tribes of the world shall see him coming. How, how will this be? If you try to imagine this, I think it's beyond our imagination. And, and when the time is there, we will see it happen. Because it will happen. So that's, that's the first thing and, and, and the main thing. Jesus will come again. That's what we're looking for in the future. His second coming. There's another thing which is difficult for us to imagine how it will happen. And that's the promise of the resurrection of the dead. When Jesus comes again. Paul is writing about this in 1 Corinthians 15. That's the chapter which tells a lot about the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of believers. He says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and it's raised in incorruption. And then those words in Revelation 20 where it says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and the grave delivered up the dead which were in them. When we bury our dead, we do this with an eye on the end of the world. When the dead, according to God's promise, will rise again. And maybe it's hard to imagine how this will happen. But it's the promise of God that this will happen. The resurrection of the dead. So Jesus will come again 
the dead will rise again. And then there is this next thing, which is described in in chapter 25 of Matthew. That Jesus will come again as a judge. Just like we confess with the 12 articles of faith, he will come to judge the living and the dead. And this is described in Matthew 25, in verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And and this separation has serious consequences. For some it means eternal punishment, and for others it means eternal life. The end of the world means that believers and unbelievers will be separated from each other forever. In this world, they live together. They are mingled. You you can't just take them apart in this world. Jesus told that parable about the weed which the disciples wanted to take and out, but you shouldn't do it. You should wait till the day of judgment. Then believers and unbelievers are taken apart forever. And that's a serious thing. The, the end of the world means the final day of judgment. And in the Bible, this day is called the day of the Lord. And often it's, it's pictured in dark colors. You read about it in in the Old Testament, words of the prophets. There's the prophet Amos who who says in, in Amos 5 verse 18, The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Now when you when you hear this about the day of the Lord and and the end of the world and you hear the day of the Lord is darkness and not light, that's frightening. You may be frightened to think about the day of the Lord, that great day of judgment. But Jesus says, watch therefore. It's a warning for us. Realize this. We must realize that this day is coming and that we need to be prepared for it. I I will say more about this separation of believers and unbelievers in a moment. But that's also part of the end of the world, that Jesus Christ will come to judge the living and the dead, and that's the final judgment, the final separation between believers and unbelievers. But there is still something else when we think about what will happen in the end of the world. There's one more thing that I want to mention. The world in which we now live will come to an end. But according to the promise of God, we look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. According to 2 Peter 3 verse 13, we look for new heavens and a new earth. Now we read in the Bible that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And in the end there is the new heaven and the new earth as it were, a new creation. The old things have passed away. This 
this first world, this first earth and heaven have been stained by sin after Adam and Eve fell in sin in paradise. There is the curse of God upon this creation, this first creation. But there will come a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. And again, it's beyond our imagination how this will be and what this will look like. You will see it when you are there. It's a world full of righteousness, the Bible says. There will be no evil. There will be no sin. Imagine. In this world, everything is so stained by sin. There is so much evil in this world. But in that new heaven and new earth, there will be no evil, no sin. And it says in Revelation 21, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. No more tears, no more death. Imagine. Everything will be new. And the greatest thing of all is that God will dwell among his people. Not far away, but he will dwell among his people. He will be present among his people. Try to imagine this. Now, this is the promise of God, of the new heavens and the new earth. And now I come to that question, who? Who is involved in this end of the world? And this who question may look like an odd question in connection with the end of the world, because the Bible tells us that in the end of the world, each and every one is involved. In Matthew 25, verse verse 32, we read that all nations will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. So in the end of the world, everyone, everyone will meet with Jesus Christ. And then all will be separated into two groups. On the one side, those who will enter into the glory of God, and on the other side, those who will cast out in outer darkness. It's one way or another. So when I ask the, the who question, on the one side you may say, well, that's true for everyone. And we should realize this, that, that there is this judgment But when I ask the who question in connection with the end of the world, I especially want to ask who are the ones to whom the end of the world will be an eternal blessing? The ones to whom the end of the world means that they shall forever be with the Lord according to his promise. As I said, the end of the world is the moment of the final judgment the final separation of believers and unbelievers. And believers will hear Jesus saying to them, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. These are great words. Come, 
Ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. And unbelievers will hear Jesus saying to them, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Now these are terrible words. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. And now the question which comes to us is, when we think about the end of the world, what is Jesus going to say to me? What am I going to hear when I stand before that judgment seat of Jesus Christ when he comes again? What is he going to say to me? Because that's of the greatest importance when we are still in the land of the living, that we know this, that we realize this. That's what Jesus meant when he said, be watchful, be prepared for the coming of Christ. For then it's either one or the other. Who are the ones who are received into the eternal kingdom of God? Now then I... I think about the words of Jesus in John 6, verse 40, where he says, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him. They will be received by Jesus and hear, Come, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom which has been prepared for you. It's all about Jesus. Again, it's always all about Jesus. When we see him and believe in him, in Jesus, who came into the world to give his life on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, and who rose again from the dead, and who is now at the right hand of God to make intercession for us. Whosoever believes in him will not be condemned in the final judgment, but will live forever in the presence of God. So that's what we need to know in this life, that we seek Jesus, and find him and believe on him as our Lord and Savior. And apart from Jesus, there is no hope. There is no bright future in the kingdom of God. We are lost people. But Jesus is there, and he is presenting himself to us even today. He calls us to believe in him. And to put our trust in Jesus Christ. And when you put your trust in Jesus Christ. You can look forward to the end of the world. Not with fear. But with hopeful expectation. Now until... Then, until the end of the world, we are living in a world which is full of misery 
and unrighteousness. And sometimes you may wonder, where is this world heading at? What is going to happen if you see things developing in this world which are not according to the word of God and which may be a concern of us or frighten us even? But instead of giving ear to all kind of doomsday ideas, let us hold on to the promise of God himself. Because we are on our way to the end of the world, but that means that we are on our way to the goal which God has set for this world. Because it is his world And in the end, the goal is the new heavens and the new earth, full of justice and peace. And God will dwell among his people according to his promise. And all the time, as long as we are living in this world and and concerned about things which happen in this world, let us keep in mind that not the rulers of this world are in control And not the powerful rich are in control. And not the great internet companies are in control. Or the scientists. Or not even the powers of darkness are in control of this world. But it is God himself who is in charge. And everything works out according to his promise. And keep in mind the words of Jesus himself who said, I am with you, always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let us now sing Psalter 263. 263.
Let us pray. Lord our God, Heavenly Father, we give thanks unto Thee for Thy Word, for the promises in Thy Word, for the great things which are going to happen, we don't know when, but the promise is there that Jesus Christ will come again and that there will come an end to this world full of injustice and pain and sorrow and that Jesus will come again and the dead will arise from the grave and that we all will have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ for the final judgment which is a very serious reality and we need to be prepared for that and as long as we are in the land of the living there is still time to turn unto Jesus and we pray Lord that thou wilt call us and draw us near to thee if we have not yet found Jesus as our Savior O Lord come through thy spirit and to thy word and touch our hearts so that we no longer resist the calling of Jesus to come unto him and find peace with Jesus and also have hope when Jesus will come again that we may hear these words, Come, ye blessed of the Father, enter the kingdom which has been prepared for you. O Lord, keep us from resisting the grace so that in the end we must hear, Depart from me. O Lord, let it not happen to us. So, Lord, we pray that thy word may go with us and may give us hope in this world. That when we look around us in this world and we see all kinds of things happening which are not according to thy word and which we are concerned about and which may even frighten us, Lord, that we always will turn unto thee and realize that thou art a God who rules everything according to thy purpose, and that this world is on its way to the goal which thou hast set for it, that everything is in thy hands, and if we, if we trust ourselves to thee, we have reason to have hope. Time and again we read in the Bible, fear not, fear ye not, but have confidence in God. Lord, help us to live a life independence on thee through faith in thee and that we may follow Jesus in our lives to the glory of thy name. So we give thanks unto thee for the services of this day. We pray thee to be with us this coming days in this week when we go back to work, when children go back to school. We pray thee for thy blessing, thy nearness to be with us in times of sorrow and mourning and that we will always look unto thee as the Father in heaven who knows what we are in need of. Be with us, Lord. Take away everything which is not according to thy will. Forgive us graciously our sins and lead us in the way to our eternal life in thy kingdom. Lord our God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we close this service, I would like to
say a few personal words. We have been here these past three weeks, this coming